Hello and welcome to another episode of the Perception Podcast with me, your host, Caroline Partridge. In this episode, I talked to the remarkable Rachel Smith-Ruffle and her alter ego, the wonky artist. We discuss how the wonky artist was born, her personal journey out of the dark into a world of colour and how art really can save your life. Please join me as we look at life through a different lens. Welcome, Rachel. It's really great to have you here. Um, and I'm and I'm so glad that you've agreed to talk to me and to share a little bit about your life. So Thank welcome. You. Hi, Caroline. Thank you. Nice to see you too. Yes, nice to see you again. Um, so um, for people who don't know you or don't know anything about you or don't know why you're yeah. called the wonky artist, um, <laughs> I'd like to go back and uh, look at the events that brought you to where you are today and who yeah, you are okay. today. I know it's a big, big question, but uh, <laughs> you can if you can tell us a little bit about that to start yeah. with. Yeah. Okay. So um, I was, when I was 23, I, I did a languages degree at university and I'd um, graduated about six months before I went away. So I went, I went to a, an island in the Indian Ocean called Reunion Island and um, I was, I'd lived there for six months. I was teaching English to French students um, and it was a beautiful island, really just gorgeous beaches and sea and ocean. It was just beautiful. And one day um, I, I went to the beach like I'd been to the beach a million times. And um, I, I dived into the sea and something, basically what happened was the water, I didn't realise that the water where I was diving was too shallow. So um, I banged my head, knocked my head on a sandbank on the bottom of the sea and immediately broke my neck. Um, and almost drowned because I couldn't get out of the water. I didn't think anybody had seen me because um, I couldn't move. And then um, I was fished out the sea by my friend who had only um, turned up, a good friend from university, had only turned up six hours before my injury happened mm. and it saved my life. So, yeah. My so God. that's the first bit. <laughs> wow. Wow. That is, that's, Yeah. That's pretty, yeah. uh, pretty intense. Yeah, so that's the first bit. But that that was now. Um, so I was twenty three. I'm forty seven now. So it's, I've just passed the point now where I've been in a wheelchair for longer than I was walking. Wow. So um, yeah, so that was last year. Um, so I've been in a chair. I've been paralysed and in a wheelchair now for twenty four years, and um, I have a spinal injury. Um, that means that I can't walk, um, I can't move my legs, I can't feel my legs. I've limited. I've got use of my arms, but no finger movement, no um, no de- dexterity in my fingers, and I can't feel my hands properly. So um, it also means other things that compromise um, within your body as well, such as skin and bladder and bowels and everything. So. It does change your life quite a lot. Um, and then um, about, so in 2018, um, after years and years of being in a chair, having um, a few medical complications, but thankfully not that many, 
I ended up having something called a pressure sore, which is basically a wound from sitting too long in his chair that um, prevented me from sitting in my chair and I had to be on bed rest for 15 months. Wow. Um, yeah, which was really hard as well because I, at the time I've got a husband and a, and a daughter. My daughter was only nine at the time. I was um, on bed rest for a full 15 months. Um, I wasn't allowed to get up at all. I only went out three times on a stretcher to a hospital and back in an ambulance. Wow. Wow. That was it. Yeah, yeah. So it was a really, really, really hard time. And at the time we didn't, we we kept getting intervention, we kept getting help from um, various medical professionals, but nothing they did was working. So it wasn't actually improving the situation. It wasn't doing anything. And I was kind of like losing hope and thinking that, you know, I might have to, basically be in bed forever and I, I, I just didn't know how that was going to work and that I must like that <clears> sorry <throat> Rach sorry to interrupt you but that must have really impacted on your your whole you know obviously it's impacted on your health but on your mental health how did yeah, that impact? massively mass- oh massively I went I mean in the beginning when they started to you know treat it or try and treat it I was kind of thinking okay you know this will this will help this will you know speed things along we can see some progress you know I was trying to be positive about it but by that by that time I'd already been in bed for three months so I didn't get any intervention for the first three months but nothing had changed um and then um they started to intervene but it just basically didn't work um, they kept coming like every few days to change dressings and to look at the progress and there wasn't any progress and it was just yeah it was really really hard physically and mentally um, and I went really I mean I'm normally quite a an upbeat person you know despite my injury I think there's still a million things that you can do with your life and yeah completely. You know, there's still lots and lots of possibilities um, but obviously or most of that, or even almost all of that, had been taken away from me then, with because I was completely bed bound. Um, so I lost hope, and I became very, very depressed, like to the point where I didn't really want to see people because I was crying all the time, and I woke up crying, and I'd cry all day sometimes. It was just awful, um, and I got. Um, sepsis a couple of times so I had to go into hospital with it um, and basically I think that the hardest thing I think at that point was not having an answer you know just not seeing a light at the end of the tunnel exactly. not seeing any progress not seeing any hope um, and then my husband um, Ian uh, recognised how low I'd got he really you know, he was really worried about me. And um, he bought me, I mean, I did a, bear in mind, I did a languages degree. So I speak three languages. I did a translation interpreting degree. Um, had never done any art really before. Mm-hmm. And I mean, since school. Um, he bought me a set of paints and he said to me, I want you to paint something just to take your mind off what's happening, just for. Even if you just do it for half an hour a day, just shift your mindset a bit. And 
obviously I thought he was absolutely bonkers. I thought he, I thought he'd lost it. Never mind me. Uh, <laughs> well, and, uh, it's it's a brilliant thing. Sorry to interrupt you, but it's it's a brilliant thing because it's shifting your focus. Because when exactly. you are ill, your focus or anyone's focus is always on illness. Yeah, and yeah. and it's especially if you're immobile. You know, yeah. it's it's gonna really, uh, really intensify your focus isn't absolutely, it absolutely yeah and um yeah. it's funny because i was thinking you're in good company you know frida carlo obviously you know yeah yeah of course beg bound and well, began yeah and began her painting career yeah. or really you know solidified herself as a as an artist so yeah you're a completely good company so <laughs> yes you were saying your your husband bought you some paints and oh yeah and I thought he'd lost the plot. <laughs> and he said to me, just paint, you know, just paint just for half an hour a day. Just do something different. Just take your mind off your immediate surroundings and do something different. And I thought, he's completely bonkers. I can't do this. I've never been able to paint. Why would I start now? But what happened was, because basically I was in that situation, like you said, where everything was about what was happening to me. That's all I could think about. I couldn't plan to do anything. I couldn't plan to go anywhere. It was just really, really awful. So I said, right, okay, I'll have a go. And that's what I did. I had a go. I looked at some YouTube stuff. I um, I just messed around with colour and things like that. And then all of a sudden I'd, I thought to myself, right, I'm going to set myself a bit of a challenge. The, the very, very first painting I did, and I look back at it now, and I'm just like, oh, my goodness, but <laughs> I've still got it. <laughs> it's, it's a part of lavender. And I think that's probably somewhere where a lot of people start, right, with a part of lavender. And honestly, yeah. it's awful. But I've still got it. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> and then, and then after a bit, I decided the thing that we love most as a family and the thing that I love to do, I think, almost most of all in life is travel and is explore new places and find new places and you know nature and all that stuff so I decided um I was going to paint this um place in Cornwall called Port Isaac beautiful so and it was absolutely gorgeous yeah it's got the, the harbour and the boats and the hills and the background and it's just gorgeous so I thought right I'm going to paint that so so I, I found a picture and I thought I'm going to copy the picture. So that's what I did. I started like that and I and I copied this picture and it took me, God, ages, probably about two weeks or something because, I mean, I wasn't doing it a lot. But, you know, I was doing it every day and I built this picture and I, and I, and I was, you know, I was, quite, I was actually quite impressed with the end result. I was like, okay, that's not bad. So I put, so my husband decided to put it on the wall um in in the room that I was in so I was downstairs in the um in 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 our lounge at the time in bed I, I was always downstairs so that I could still be like involved with family life and stuff and um so I started with that one and then gradually I kind of built up kind of a portfolio of work that um yeah. that I put on that we put on the wall 
and it was before COVID, thankfully, because I think that was also, if it had been in COVID, it would have been even worse. Um, then my friends and family come around and they go, oh, who did that? And I'm like, oh, I did. And they're like, you did. And I'm like, I know. Yeah. And, um, and, it, and it all started from there. And they were like, oh, well, if you can do that, could you paint me something of, you know, this place or that place? And I was like, yeah. Okay, so that's how it started. But, but the wonky bit, the wonky artist bit, came from the fact that because I was lying down and had to hold the brush with two hands, when you lie down, everything's a little bit skew-whiff. And then when you sit up, it's not the same perspective, is it? Yeah. So everything yeah. was kind of like going uphill a bit, whether it needed to or not. <laughs> so that's where the wonky bit came from. And it stuck. And then what but I That's said, great. That's that's great. That's your view. That's your perception of the world. Is it, this... Well, it was at the time, yeah. And and now when I when I sell stuff, people, some people are almost quite disappointed that I'm not quite as wonky as I used to be. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> like, you can't see anything wonky, you know. Or or people think it's kind of a bit um, self-deprecating, but it's not. It's just part of the story. It's you know? part of the story. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and nobody's going to forget the wonky artist, right? I mean, <laughs> no, no, that certainly not, certainly not. When I met you, I thought, no, I, I, you, you stuck in my mind. Oh, um, thank you. Yeah, no, but completely. What I, what I was going to, um, I was going to say, sorry, it was that, um, so a, a few years before that, I'd, I'd done a social media management course to help small businesses build their social media, but I hadn't really used it very much. So I thought, right. So this was before I even knew I could paint. So I was like, right, well, I'm, I, what I'm going to do, I mean, I had no idea at that point that I'd have a business or anything. I mean, that was just not even on the radar. Um, I just kind of like shared my story on social media with people. I thought it could build a community around people who, you know, were having health problems or depression issues or whatever just to kind of reach out to people and say, look, you know, you're not alone. This is my story. What's your story? Yeah. And, and, and yeah, and loads and loads of people responded. Um, and then people started asking me online and, and they put my paintings up online and stuff. People started asking me online to paint them things and things. And that's how it, that's how it all began. But it came from a place of wanting to share my story because I thought that it might help other people and you know what it's like when you help other people you also help yourself right so yeah uh, totally completely and I mean I think I think that's why your story is so remarkable because societies as we were saying earlier in a society's perception of disability is is generally so limiting Mm -hmm. and and limited but you've you've smashed all of those perceptions because you you have uh, a family you have mm-hmm. um uh you're married you not I'm not saying disabled people can't be married and have families but <laughs> it's yeah it's you know, not as common as all that yeah you know you've you've come from a place of just mushrooming into this amazing creative being you know this but it's true you know you're a working artist 
and it's yeah, fantastic yeah. and that and that and that makes me kind of wonder um you know would you have been an artist if you hadn't have this major life transformation if you hadn't have had your accident if you hadn't have then uh had had the pressure sore which then made you confined bedridden and confined to bed would you would this thing with this wonderful creativity that was inside of you would that have come to the surface would that would you be an artist no not at all no no I mean, a few years ago, my husband did buy me a set of paints for Christmas and said, you know, you need to, you need to learn to sit still sometimes and do something like that. Yeah. But, you know, as a wheelchair user, everybody thinks that's all we do all day, but that's completely not it. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but that, that, that again, is society's perception of, yeah, yeah, of yeah, somebody yeah. in a wheelchair. Yeah. It's so, you know, and disability, it's just so yeah. off the mark. yeah. But, yeah. but, I mean, it can be, it can be like that, you know, it can be limiting, it can be like that. But it not for you. Sometimes, well, you can't smash every barrier there is, can you? But I think you can make your own life, you can make your own story and you can tell those people to, to do one, you know. Yeah, that, yeah. They're not, they're, they're not you, are they? They, you know, they, I think a lot of people, when, when we talk about perception, I think a lot of people, Think about how they think, how they think they would be if it was them in that situation, right? Yeah, yeah. That's what it's about. It's about fear, and it's about their understanding or misunderstanding, and it's about their their ability or their thinking and what they think it would be like for them, and therefore that's what they think it's like for everybody, but it's not. Yeah, because I think you've hit on a really important thing there because people do have, there is a lot of fear around, oh my goodness, what if this happened? You know, what would I do? And the the simple answer is, we don't know. Exactly. And you only really know what reserves of creativity and of strength and resilience Mm. and, Mm. and, um, what opportunity what potential lies inside mm. of you only when you're actually faced with yeah with adversity, some, with, and, with adversity. Yeah. and and I think it's interesting isn't it that that we have all of those things inside us and we don't in our in our daily lives bring those things into yeah. into being you know, no. people become people become quite passive in in life, mm, mm. Um, and passively accept what happens. We, I think this is this is can be, a, you know, it's 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 a truth. I think that we passively accept what happens to us in our lives, and 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 only when we're really faced with adversity is then we kind of like fight kicks in yeah and yeah. sometimes and for some people that never happens no and a lot of people don't question though do they they don't question their lives you know they just go from one day to the next from one week to the next from one year to the next doing what they've always done and that they think that's their lot you know or yeah. they don't even think that's their lot they just do it yeah it's this 
it's this mm. on this treadmill of acceptance mm. and not mining all the wonderful rich treasure that lies exactly. inside of us exactly yeah and for me for me it was also about color you know because obviously with depression and anxiety and medical issues and all that there's a lot of black there's a lot yeah. of dark there's a lot of you know fear and oh and you, your, your mind goes into the worst possible places yeah. so for me you know bringing color to a piece of paper creating art that was colorful and lively and joyful and happy just shifted my focus so much and it made me realize that do you know what somehow there is still a future somehow there is still there is still life I just don't know how yet well that's it that's it we we don't sorry mate that's it we don't need to know how that's the thing it's and I think that's the thing with faith just having faith I'm not a particularly religious person, but I do mm. believe in faith, having faith in ourselves, yeah. faith that things will get better, faith that uh, whatever whatever is happening will pass. Yeah. And yeah. and like you said, what I love, what you said about going from this darkness, you know, you've opened the door and there's a chink of light that comes in and then then you open the door even further and your paintings really do that because they're so colourful. There's so much colour to them. They're bright and they're joyful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And lots of people say to me, oh, how could you paint such happy paintings when you were stuck in a really dark place? And I'm like, well, that's what I needed. Yeah. I needed that. I didn't need more dark. I didn't need black. And, you know, I didn't need that. I needed something to cling on to. And and it started with colour and then it went from there. That's, whoa, lady. (laughs) That's fantastic. (laughs) It's true, though. It's fantastic. And that's what your story brings to others. how we perceive ourselves it's transitory you know it's not Mm -hmm. it changes and we can change and yeah yeah um, i need to tell you the the end of the story yes of course yeah as well so that people know what happened so basically we have a hospital about a mile down the road from where we live and that hospital was where i went when I had sepsis twice in, in with my pressure sore, and I was really, really ill. And the second time I was in the hospital with my, pre- with my sepsis, I saw a plastic surgeon, Registrar, who was only a young guy, came in to see me, had a look at it, and said to me, um, oh, I'd, um, there won't be anybody who will be able to um, do anything with this, so you're just going to have to stay in bed. And that was it. I know. And that really tipped me over the edge. And I had to see, and in the end, I ended up having to see a psychiatrist and all sorts of stuff. Because obviously it just broke me that. Um, well, it, it's, but what you say there, it's, it's so interesting, isn't it? How the perception of somebody else affects the perception of ourselves. And for you, that was plunging yeah, you yeah, into, yeah. into despair, deep despair. 
And especially because you perceive that specialist as somebody who has the answer, you know. If he couldn't help me, who could help me, right? You know? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And and then what happened was when I came home, I got in touch with my GP and I explained my GP, bless him, has now retired, but I've, I've asked him to take me on as a as a single case, but he's not having any of it. <laughs> <laughs> Sadly, but he he was amazing. He was just a, such a fab advocate, and he actually found in the same hospital where I was twice with this pressure sore, a, a tiny little unit called complex wounds. Yeah, I didn't even know it existed. I had no idea about complex wounds at all. Apart from I had one, but I didn't know there was anyone out there who, you know, specialised in complex wounds. And then I met, I met this plastic surgeon called Jason Wong, and he saw he saw me twice in um, in his clinic. I was on a stretcher. Saw me twice in his clinic. Said to me, "This is not going to get better without plastic surgery." So he, in the end, operated on my pressure sore. Had a seven-hour operation. Wow. Yeah. He, I mean, he took. It, it's amazing. It's so amazing what they can do. He took some. He took some um, fat from another part of my body and filled filled the hole. Sewed it. Um, stitched it all up and everything. Put draining bags on it and all sorts of stuff. I was in hospital after that surgery for three months. Wow. Because even with even with the surgery, there was no guarantee. He said there was about a sixty percent guarantee it would work. So that means there's a forty percent guarantee it's not gonna work, right? So you've got to really focus on the sixty percent. I'm like, oh my God, this if he can't do this, that's it. And there are a few hiccups along the way. I had to go in for surgery another three times after that, not for as long, but for him to repair a little bit. And in the very end, it healed. Wow. The, fir- the first day I got up after being in bed for 15 months was the day, to the day, 21 years after my injury. Wow! Whoa! Wow! I know. Yeah. Oh wow! That's all I can say. That's <laughs> and I I cried my eyes out. <laughs> I'm not surprised you cried said, your eyes out. I said out. it half, said it half in this and stuff. Wow! Well, it's momentous. Yeah. Momentous. Yeah. yeah. Wow, and Rachel! Now, and, what a story! And now, uh, thank you. And now he follows me on my on my Facebook and Instagram and and so does his mum who lives in London and his brother who lives in Dubai and his auntie who lives in I don't know where she lives, Hong Kong I think, and all these people. So you know, yeah, but oh my God, I I I owe him everything. Amazing guy. The, the, the crazy thing was he was down the road a mile away. And not only that, but he was plastic surgeon He's not even 40, he's done just like the most amazing things. Like he helped um, the victims after the Manchester bombing and everything. It was just fantastic. But not only that, but he's got a PhD. His PhD was in pressure sores for people with spinal injury. Wow. Wow. Yeah. It was like, 
this is just meant to be, isn't it? Exactly. This is the thing. I think once, and you'd started painting by then, hadn't you? Yeah. Yeah. So once, once uh, I'm firmly, I'm a firm believer in being in flow. And when our focus shifts to something really positive or much more positive, other things come in around to support that yeah. positivity oh, yeah, and yeah. people talk about serendipity and they talk about oh aren't you lucky but it's actually your your inflate you're bringing this stuff in you bring into yeah. you you attract to you stuff that will help you heal because you're healing energetically you know you've healed your mm. you're healing you we have to really heal our minds first and when they start to heal our bodies our bodies follow and yeah. um and and all these wonderful we call them coincidences you know but but it wasn't a coincidence it was meant to be and i'm so yeah. i'm so happy for that's it's just such you've got such an amazing and remarkable story and thank you and i'm going to i'm going to pop some links into uh into after into the show notes so people can follow you and find out more yeah, about real. monkey artist um yeah. and yeah what do you think i think what 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 would you say that one of the main things that you think that your story brings to other people i know you've talked about injecting them with hope but yeah um i think sharing you know sharing things is is so important because people realize that they're not alone in whatever it is yeah because a lot of people won't share or a reluctant to share because they're worried about being judged yeah. by other people. It's about perception again, isn't it? Yeah. But they don't, you know, mental, especially, I mean, now, thankfully, mental health has turned a corner and, you know, it's almost like if you don't have mental health problems, now there's something wrong with you, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, what? You haven't, you haven't been <laughs> depressed? What? Yeah. yeah, exactly. But, you know, to, to talk about it, openly and to share it online and everything you know it, it just helps other people to realize they're not alone to give them hope to realize that maybe you know they have a future with whatever it is they're going through and also I think I think for a lot of people people need although although I think it's a really bad thing and I and I do still do it sometimes people need to compare because it helps them even though it's not a good thing to do I think sometimes people need to compare and so they read something like my story and they might be going through a little bit of depression or something and they go well if she can do it then I can do it you yeah. know and it just eggs people on sometimes and it what? just makes them realize that shit happens and you can you can you know it doesn't mean that your life has to end it yeah Shit happens, but you can get over it and you can exactly. get through it. You you acknowledge the shit, you get through the shit and you come out the other side. Yeah, embrace the shit and then move on. <laughs> yeah, I think that's what I call this episode. Embrace the shit and move on. It's true though. It's true. It's just like, and it's, it's, it's so important, I think, for people. What you just said then is so important for people to understand that they are not alone. That, that we don't have to do, be on our own t- to go through things. Other people no. can be there so long as we're open 
to and you were open to kind of taking the paintbrush holding the paintbrush you know and and cracking on with something mm. and and it's so great that you've kept that first painting um <laughs> because it's a reminder isn't it it's yeah, a reminder yeah, of it really is. it's a reminder of transformation and yeah. it's a reminder you can look at it and kind of go well I was there then and I'm here now absolutely yeah yeah, yeah. so I, I do I do lots of um markets and things now I do lots of um artisan markets and things so I, I enjoy that because I get to meet loads of people from all over and then I do things like this as well sometimes I go into schools and I talk about you know disability and perception and um awareness and attitudes and things like that which is also great yeah. do a bit of art shot with the kids you know um and just kind of share some positivity and you know, some bit of, I don't know, a bit of love, I guess. Yeah. And do you think that people's perception of disability is, or society's perception of disability is, is, is changing? Is In a lot of ways it is. It depends. Yeah. I think, I think in this country, it, it is definitely getting better. In yeah. some other countries, depending on where you are in the world, not so much. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I I think on the whole, you know, the, I think, I mean, I used to get comments and I say still now, but when I was younger, you know, like 20s, 30s, I used to get comments like, oh, but you're too pretty to be in a wheelchair, you know, just like that. <laughs> oh my God, what? Oh my yeah, goodness. Or you have a child, how does that work? You know, and stuff like that. Yeah, all sorts. Yeah. Or what do you mean you can still have sex, you know? Yeah. Wow. Wow. Just just like, yeah, some people just don't have a filter, do they? Or they're just nosy and, they, you know, they just want to know everything. But it's like. Yeah. But, it's, but it's, it's that understanding, isn't it? Again, again, we kind of yeah. face uh, misconceptions about disability and and I think that's also why your work is so important when you're talking about going into schools to help educate absolutely future generations so they can understand about disability and shift their perception Mm. so they won't be asking Mm. these stupid questions you know or you know or intrusive intrusive questions the, the younger generation are just so much better at it all they're just so much more accepting yeah. They're brilliant, actually. Like I've got a, fr- my my daughter's got a friend who's transgender, and when she came home from school and told me about it, I was like, "Oh right, that's really interesting. What about this and what about that?" Not in a nosy way, but in a wanting to know way. And she's like, "I'm not talking about it, mother, mum. It's not an issue." And that was the end of it. Yeah. Like, wow. You know, yeah. You but- just said so. It's not a thing for them. They're very tolerant. Well, not even tolerant. They don't even. It's it's everybody is who they who's who who they are and that's it and that's brilliant. Yeah, yeah, and that's it. It's it's not. It's I mean these bodies are only shells. You know they're not they're not who yeah, we are. Absolutely. As, no, uh, absolutely. You know whatever we have inside is an expression of who we are, and um and you've really shown you know your with your work what you have inside and Rachel thank you so much all I can say again is thank you because your story 
is really inspiring. You are really inspiring. Oh, thank you. Um, and and it's been really great just to hear your perspective about about how you travel through, you know, transformation in your life, and and where you are now. And like I say, I will pop into uh, the comments um, or into the show notes. Uh, mm-hmm contacts for you so people can follow you on social yeah, media mm-hmm. and um if people would like to buy your work i'll also or or, yeah. or look at your work i'll i'll add links there yeah. okay great and um yeah thank you thank you thank you thank you it's for, oh, oh no it's been lovely pleasure. To you. yeah it's been a real really pleasure. lovely yeah great. and hopefully we we can have another conversation um because i think there is a lot more to sort of discuss about mm. society's perception of disability i think absolutely yeah um yeah, which we just touched on here but also that leads me on to say if the, any listeners whatever you'd like to hear um my lovely wonderful listeners what you'd like to hear on the perception podcast what you want to have more of um and and anything that really interests you um, it would be great for you to uh, contact me and um, and I thank you for listening. <laughs>